civil projects. The ancient Roman civilization is known as the great builder of infrastructure. It was the first civilization which dedicated itself to serious and determined effort for its kind of civil work as a basis for settlement of their populations and the preservation of its military and economic domination over the vast territory of its empire. The works of most importance are roads, bridges, and aqueducts. Infrastructure. Either within or outside the urban environment, these facilities became vital for the function of the city and its economy, allowing it to supply the most essential necessities, either water via aqueducts or food, supplies and goods through the efficient networks of roads. In addition, any city of at least average importance had a sewer system for the drainage of wastewater and to prevent rain flooding the streets. Roman Streets and Roads Infrastructure for civil civilian use was built with intensity by the Romans in Hispania. Roman roads that ran through the peninsula joining the Cadiz to the Pyrenees and the Osteras to Murica, covering the, the coastal Med Mediterranean and Atlantic through the already established routes. Along them, a booming trade flowed, encouraging political stability of the territory over several centuries. Among these roads, the most important were Via Lata, now known as Via de Lata Palata, or the Silver Way. Via Augusta, the longest imperial Roman road in Spain, 1,500 kilometers in length and comprising multiple sections. Via Exidor. To signal the distance along these routes, milestones were placed, which were either columns or significant stones, and they marked the distance from the point of origin as measured by the thousands or steps in miles. Currently, most of these routes correspond to the layout of present-day roads or highways in the states of Spain and Portugal, which confirms the renewed logic of the Roman optimal choice for their roads. Bridges Roman bridges, an essential complement to the roads, allowed them to overcome the obstacle posed by the rivers, which in the case of the Iberian Peninsula can be very wide. Rome, faced with the geographical challenge, responded with some of the most durable and reliable constructions. Rome also built a large number of wooden bridges on minor crossings, but today the only surviving references are these made of stone. The typical Roman bridge consisted of a platform supported by arches, semicircles, or segments of circles. There was also cases of bridges over full circles. The pillar and the water include a wedge-shaped structure called abutments to redirect the flow of the water which created which create a pier on which the bridge itself sits. The successful model of construction lasted until little uh, late middle ages and today it is difficult to know in some cases if some bridges are actually Roman or if they were built later to the original design. Aqueducts. The important town needed constant and water supply for the thousands of people gathered in one place which could be sometimes several miles away from the natural water source. To achieve this continuous flow of water the Romans built aqueducts. The Roman aqueducts despite their appearance were built, built mostly underground. However they are now known as the monumental aqueducts built to bridge a geographical barriers in order to give a continuous water channel. 
The slenderness of the type of construction, along with the tremendous height reached by some of them, makes them perhaps one of the most beautiful works of civil engineering of all time, especially taking into account the difficulties to overcome to build them. For the construction of an aqueduct, first they needed source of water, channeling a natural flow through the construction of a canal and through uh, allowing the slope to carry water through the channel to an artificial lake, in some cases a large stone reservoir structure. The, this ensured the constant supply of water throughout the year. From this point, the water could be transported by canals, whether of stone or pipes of ceramic or lead. The later solution would also bring the health problems such as lead poisoning, a problem that would extend almost to the present day in places where this type of water management had been used in abundance. Lead piping was more easy to work, but it was used more in urban distribution network due to its high price, as well as the aqueduct traps. The artificial reservoir had, was transported through an underground channel to the town, often taking advantage of natural slopes, but sometimes the Romans also built traps, which, also, which allowed them to avoid a downward slope without building the famous bridges, but keeping the pressure flow. These traps take an advantage of the pressure resulting from the failing water to the rays of the other side, keeping the pressure at the expense of losing some of the flow. This is applied of the principle of communicating vessels. Current aqueducts, which are notable for their condition, include the first aqueduct of Segovia, Segovia which is the most famous Roman construction of the Iberian Peninsula, followed by the aqueduct in Teranga, or Devil's Bridge, and also the remains of the aqueduct of Merida, known as the Miraculous Aqueduct. Urban works. Within the urban environment are the baths and sewers, but also remarkable buildings for leisure and culture, including theaters, circuses, and amphitheaters. Bathhouses. Roman culture worshipped the body, and therefore the health of it, the hot springs of public baths became meeting places for people from all walks of life, and their use was encouraged by the authorities, which sometimes covered their expenses, which allowed free access to the population. Although men and women sometimes shared the same space, bath times were different for each. Women came in the morning, while the men did at dusk. Those available in separate sections for men and women, the separate areas devoted to them were given the name spas. In the Iberian Peninsula, there is a great diversity of such archaeological buildings, highlighting their conservation status, such as Baths of Alange near Merida, which, after several restorations over the 18th and 19th centuries, are now open to the public as part of a medicinal water spa. The Roman bath is a structure defined by its function, as shown in the schematic di diagram of Azilia. The Potitirium was also the entrance to the baths, which also acted as a locker room. Then it led to another room called Tepitarium, which considered, consisted of a warm room, which in turn gave way to Frigdarium and the Caladarium rooms. Hot and cold water, respectively. The hot water Caladarium was oriented to the south to receive the maximum amount of sunlight. Under the floor of this room was a series of pipes through which hot water circulated, or in similar bathhouses, 
they used more residential style of hypocost heating. The frigidarium, however, used to be an open pool of cool water. Generally, the spa is surrounded by gardens and other accessories buildings with services for visitors such as gymnasiums, libraries, or other places of assembly, all with the aim of providing customers with a pleasant and invigorating environment. These springs require large numbers of staff to operate, particularly in taking into account the need for large amounts of hot water, the need for materials to properly serve the customers. Sewers. The Romans knew from the beginning of the rise of the civilization that a city must have an efficient system of waste disposal in order to grow. Hence, they built in a cities of importance the sewage systems that still in some cases remain in the original form. In Meridia, for example, the Roman sewer systems have been used until recent years, and its design still serves as a reference to know what was the layout of the ancient Roman city. In other cities, like Lyon, founded the camp of the Ligo VI Gimena, are vestiges of these infrastructures and serve as an example of, on rainy days, of a perfect drainage system to prevent flooded streets. Theaters. Classical literature, both Greek and Roman, is full of dramas, which expressly for public and performances, although in reality, the Roman theater has its origins in the Etruscan foundations of their culture. It is, however, true that very soon assimilated the characteristics of ancient Greek tragedy and comedy. The theater was one of the, the favorite leisure activities of the Hispanic Roman and its other buildings of public interest. No city of renown could go without owning one. So much so that the theater of Amrita Augusta was built almost at the same time as the rest of the city by the consul Marcus Agrippa, son of, of the emperor Octavia Augustus. In total, there were there are known remains of at least 13 Roman theaters throughout the peninsula. The Roman theater had more important activities than comedies or dramas. It was a venue for celebrations that praised the emperor. It is therefore of a more political, not leisurely nature, although on occasion it has been accommodated all kinds of cultural exhibitions. The vast wealth of theaters in Hispania has to do with the political life of the cities and towns which all aspire to have its own theatre and therefore solidify their status. Other examples are in the city of Belo Claudia, a city that has an impressive Roman theatre inside the fortress occupying a huge space. It's constructed in a city where only houses have been found only with the for within the fortress. It suggests that the importance of the civil building. To re represent the political force of the emperor, undoubtedly, the best preserved theatre in the peninsula is to Meridia, but also theatre in Italica, Sanguta, Clunia, Caesar Augusta, and other parts of the archaeological record, and some even host modern theatre festivals regularly. They can be considered to be fulfilling the purpose of which they were built, in some cases more than 2,000 years ago. In the 90s, Roman theatre in Cartagena was discovered and currently under restoration. The reconstruction carried out on Sanguta's theater, designed by architects Giorgio Grassi and Manuel Porticelli, and carried out between 1983 and 1993, is still mired in both controversy and in legal disputes. 
A court requires the demolition of all reconstructed work and for the return of the theater to the conditions in which they were before the work was conducted. It seems unlikely, however, that such a sentence will be, can be executed, since it could not guarantee the preservation of the original theater due to the scale of the necessary demolition work. Amphitheaters. Roman culture had distinct values on Roman, Roman in human life, which was different from those now prevailing in Europe and in general in the world. The system of slavery made it possible for a man to lose his status as a free man for various reasons such as crime, debt, military defeat. After losing these rights, they were coerced in participating in a form of entertainment which they could be considered excessively brutal, but which at the time was one of the most powerful attractions of urban life, gladiatorial combat. Not only slaves or prisoners were involved in these kinds of struggles, although the vast majority of the gladiators were, but some also had a career as a gladiator who fought for money, favors, or glory. Even some emperors occasionally ventured down to the sand to play this bloody sport, and in this case, the emperor of Commodus. The fight took place at first in the circus. When the construction of the amphitheaters began, elliptical buildings ex exclusively for the fight, the first stone amphitheater built in Rome, and the same design was later exported to major cities throughout the empire. Under the arena of the amphitheater was the pit where gladiators and the wild beasts were prepared or were locked away until the time of the fight. The pit was covered by a wooden roof on which was the scene of the fighting. Around the surface were raised elliptical arena benches where the audience attending the games could be situated. These arenas would also be witnessing from the first century onwards a brutal repression at certain times which was exerted ag against the crowing Christian population by the Roman authorities. Undoubtedly, the Colosseum in Rome is the best known of the monumental amphitheater in the world, but within Hispania, several more were built whose remains have been preserved, such as Italica, Jerez, Teranga, and Meridia. Overview. Roman influence gradually spreads across the peninsula over the prolonged period of two centuries. Many Iberian tribes were initially aggressive, opposing Roman dominion militarily throughout, though others became allied or tributary entities increasingly reliant on Rome. The Mediterranean coast, which is inhabited before the arrival of the Romans by indigenous Iberians such as the Terentia and the Illyricans, as well as the Greek and Phoenician and Carthaginian colonies, were quick to adopt aspects of Roman culture. The first Roman cities were found founded in these territories, such as Terroco in the northeast or Italica in the south, during the period of confrontation with Carthage. In the interior of the Iberian Peninsula were Celebratarian, Celtiberian, Cantabrian, Vascon, cultures as well as established. Constant military campaigns against the rebellions indi indigenous Iberians eventually pacified the Hispanic provinces, ending with the Augustan campaigns against the Cantabarians and the Asturias. The predominance of native Iberian culture diminished in the face of the culture impact of the Roman dominion, being assimilated and transformed gradually into the later Hispano-Roman culture. 
The new Hispano-Roman elite formed a, a preceding Iberian tribal elite and growing Roman aristocracy occupied administration positions in the new municipal institutions and the wider imperial bureaucracy, ser servicing in judicial, military, and civ civil offices. The expansion of Roman citizenship in the Antoine Constitution in 212 AD radically changed the concept of Roman tests and aided in the further assimilation of the native Iberian cultures. Three Roman emperors, Theodos I, Trajan, and Hadrian, came from the Roman provinces of Hispania, as did authors Quintilian, Martellius, Lucian, and Seneca. One of the main consequences of the Romanization of Hispania was the development and use of the Spanish language and the Portuguese language after the fall of the Western Roman Empire in the 5th century. These worldwide important languages evolved from the vulgar Latin, which was brought to the Iberian Peninsula by the Romans during the Second Punic War, beginning in 210 BC.